The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. much for joining me on what seems to me like a very cold, rotten, yucky winter day. Um, as you know, many of uh, many of you probably know, I am based just outside of Washington, D.C., where we've had seemingly more than our share of cold and snow. We're supposed to get sleet tomorrow, and I'm in my office with two sweaters on and my hot tea in my hand, and I will uh, this is kind of hard because I just got back from sunny San Diego. Thank you, everybody in San Diego, for giving me such a warm welcome there where I just did my comprehensive lactation course. I was there for a week. So, yes, if you were listening last week, I was not actually with you in real. That was a pre-record. But tonight, I am here live just outside of the nation's capital where we are having another one of those winters. So, at any rate, what I'd like to talk with you about tonight is about whether or not we're in a breastfeeding culture. So many times we talk about what culture is and what breastfeeding is, the kind of world that we're in, and what does that really mean? Now, in my mind, I'm thinking about going back to C. Everett Coop, who at the time, it was 1984, at the time, it was the first Surgeon General's Workshop in 1984 in my hometown, Rochester, New York, is where it was held. And C. Everett Coop got up and he said, and I quote, We must remove the barriers that keep women from beginning or continuing to breastfeed. And what was that more than 30 years ago? That was actually before I had gray hair, you know? And I remember at the time feeling really, really excited about that, really feeling as though we were going to be on the brink of something really new and wonderful, feeling as though there had been this breakthrough, that somehow breastfeeding was going to matter, that breastfeeding was going to be on the healthcare map, that breastfeeding was going to be important, and this the Surgeon General was somehow going to lead the charge in being somewhat of a, in in my small mind, a savior for the breastfeeding community, that we were going to matter. Truth is, though, that was more than 30 years ago, and we've certainly made a lot of strides. But there's still so much that's going on these days that 
really is not as much breastfeeding, as much of a breastfeeding culture as we would like. Now, as a matter of fact, as I just told you, I just got through coming from giving my comprehensive course in San Diego. Certainly, there were people there from the city of San Diego, as well as other people, both north and well, I guess mostly north of San Diego. There's not too much south of San Diego. And yet there were also people there from Texas, people from Kansas, people from New Jersey, people from New York City. There were a lot of people there, and we all talked about this whole idea of how really, really difficult it is to be in the situation that we're in, which is all of us saying, rah, rah, breastfeeding, and some of the rest of the world, not so much so. So we haven't had made as much progress in the last 30 years since C. Everett Coop made his statement as we might have liked. So this afternoon, or for, for us this evening, I'd like to have you hear from an old friend of ours. It's Teresa Bailey, who has been with us before. Teresa is, speaking of my comprehensive course, that's actually how I met Teresa. She attended my comprehensive course several years ago. She is now a real live IBCLC, and she has been for a very, very long time a real live doula. She is also the author of Doula's Guide to Birthing Your Way. Teresa, welcome. Hi, Marie. How are you doing? Well, I'm pretty good. How are you? It's always fun to talk with you. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of stuff going on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was just saying to folks that some 30 years ago, I thought, oh, man, you know, we've hit the jackpot. We're going to turn into a breastfeeding culture overnight. And um, it kind of didn't really turn out quite that way. Uh, do we still have some barriers to breastfeeding, Teresa? I I think we really do. And my viewpoint is a little bit different from most lactation consultants. Oh, imagine that. Teresa thinking for herself. <laughs> well, okay. The, the way I work with my moms is usually I work with them prior to birth, and I work with them afterward. But I do see them basically as long as they need me, not just the first few days at the hospital. And so often I do go to the hospital and and try and help them there as well. And um, so I'm seeing a sort of an arc of what mothers uh, go through as far as difficulties are concerned, that not every lactation consultant gets a chance to see. I'm interested and, in that word arc. What do you mean by arc? Well, because becoming a mother is a identity change that doesn't happen in just one day. Yes. And becoming a breastfeeding mother, as you know, sometimes is very simple. Just stick the baby on and everything happens. <laughs> and Away you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Other times, but, not so much so. <laughs> But um, then there are the problems, and we have many women here in Pittsburgh who start out saying, I, I really believe in breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is wonderful. I, it's so important for me. I can't wait to breastfeed my baby and feel that very strong determination and yet aren't able to breastfeed. And most of the time, it's not because they're incapable. 
but because we have roadblocks to them getting the help that they need to overcome their problems. Yes. And to me, that means we don't have a breastfeeding culture. In my opinion, a breastfeeding culture would be everybody's mom and everybody's aunt and everybody's sister has breastfed, so when there's a new mom, she has tons of help and there's no big deal. But we are not like that. You know, I got a big dose of that from my mother. Uh, My mother grew up in Italy, and she never could believe that I had to teach or help women to breastfeed. She said, oh, anybody can do it. For heaven's sakes, nobody taught me. I just knew how. And I said to her, it was different for you, your sister, your mother, your cousins. And, of course, they all lived pretty much more or less in the same house. Or if they didn't live in the same house, they were back and forth between the houses all the time. And so to her, it was just, well, everybody does it. You know, it's like a nose. Everybody has one. Everybody does this. (laughs) Everybody has, you have these breasts, you use them. You use them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I have so many moms who their mothers did not breastfeed them, although their mothers now see the the importance of breastfeeding and how it's important not just for, for their daughter, but for the baby's health, for everybody's health. Um, they have no actual way of helping them because, for them, it was a foreign concept. And um, even mothers who, or, the, or the mother-in-law might feel that way. Or the sisters might have had the babies first and they had trouble breastfeeding. And so it's a, it's a cycle that we haven't broken. And it's, it's not just about making sure that women have the ability to get the help they want, although that's a big part of it. But it also has to do with how do we place value in our society? And we do not really place value on breastfeeding. Value comes from formula companies because, you know, they sell a product and it's expensive. Um, But staying home and breastfeeding a baby is not considered a valuable contribution to our society. Mm. So women don't get decent lengths of leave for staying home to breastfeed. Um, Most jobs expect a mother to put her baby somewhere else so that she's separated, even as early as four to six weeks after the birth. And so it's... uh, There's so many things that separate mom from baby, and part of it is just what we value in our culture. And certainly with that, I would say you mentioned that we value formula. I'm going to ratchet that up. Uh I think that we value technology. Uh We value things that are manufactured as opposed to things that are well, give you an idea. I knit handmade socks, and mm-hmm. the most that I can ever sell them for is $20. And people don't realize that f- sometimes the skein of yarn was 25 Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. But, but having something that is homemade, made in small batches, is really not so much valued in our society now as perhaps it would have been. Hey, Teresa, don't go anywhere because... Um, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this sort of short message. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me on Born to be Breastfed. This evening, I have with me my special guest, Teresa Bailey, author of Doula's Guide to Birthing Your Way. Before we continue the show, I'd just like to give a little mention to New Angel, and that is www.nuangel.com. Tons of nice products for you, for your newborn, for even for your older infant. One of their newest products are 100% cotton uh, breast pads. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm in big favor of anything, 100% cotton. So, Teresa, before we had the break, we were just talking a little bit about 
those barriers that you have seen, really, as I understood it, the the barriers that you've seen in your role taking care of women in the hospital and thereafter because you are functioning as not only a labor doula, but also as a postpartum doula. You talked a little bit about some of what I would call the uh, more public or more legalistic kinds of issues like, for instance, uh, maternity leaves. And by the way, just for everybody's understanding, in addition to all the other wonderful things that Teresa is, Teresa is also an attorney. Uh, it's Teresa Bailey, J.D., That's as right. well as other things, yes. Uh, so so I know that you perceive that as a, as a barrier. I don't, and I'll tell you why, because I think that we have so many women who, honestly, they've given up breastfeeding in the first eight or ten days. So when people tell me if we had longer maternity leaves, we'd be all set. I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? I want to see women be able to be get through breastfeeding for the first 10 days, the first 20 days, the first month, because many of them are never even going to get close to the whole idea of going back to work before they give up breastfeeding. So it's my contention that those barriers are a lot bigger than just the go back to work. I think the go back to work is part of it, but it's not the only part of it. And it's my firm belief that these barriers crop up a whole lot faster and are in some ways more lethal. Uh, How do you, what do you think? I agree that, I agree that um, it is a series of steps and the Mm, first bit of breastfeeding is very, very important. And in fact, I believe that it is a serious uh, detriment to breastfeeding when we have birth policy that doesn't support it. In other words, all the way during labor, um, there are things that that, uh, are part of our culture in birthing that are not helpful for breastfeeding. And then once the the baby's born then there's separating the mother and baby and cutting the cord right away. Then there's yes. taking the baby over to the warmer. Then there's, you know, doing all of these things. Even if it's just taking the baby away for half an hour, it's still not where the baby should be, which is right, right. on the mom. In fact, um, Teresa, I'll when, go you one better. mom are healthy. Um, I think most, that even if they take the baby away just to be weighed, the fact yes. of the matter is they've taken the baby away. Yes, they, they should. The, the mom and baby need to stay together. So one of the things yes. that I've proposed is a piece of legislation that says in the fourth trimester, mom and baby should not be forcibly separated. Ooh, and like that. that would mean that if the mother was ill, she and the baby would both be in the same hospital facility, in the same room, being taken care of in the same place. Um, If the baby was ill, it would be the same. It's so, so difficult for a mother who has a premature baby or a baby who has some difficulties to even have a place to exist while the baby is in a NICU. I agree. And so I think the mother and baby should be not forcibly separated. And um, if anybody can touch the baby safely then the mother should be able to be trained to touch the baby safely because it's her baby. Absolutely. <laughs> she needs to be able to do it. So, um, Years that. ago, Dione Young put in her book that the hospital did not own the baby. 
That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and the nurses will, you know, they love those babies and they think of them as theirs. And the doula, you know, we always think this is the mother's baby and the mother and the baby should be together. They Absolutely. shouldn't be separated. Absolutely. And the more they're together, the more likely breastfeeding is to um, be accomplished and also blood sugars to be even and, and not... Uh, crashing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's better for the mother physiologically. It's better for the baby physiologically. Baby. But as far as, it's, as far as people who have difficulties when they're home, let's say they're trying to breastfeed and it's succeeding to some degree, but then six weeks later they have to go back to work. Well, two or three weeks after the birth, they're already thinking, how am I going to pump to get enough so that I can go to work? That's true. And so they start to think, well, maybe I'm never going to get enough. Well, maybe I need to start quitting now. And, and I do think that uh, both sides help when there's support for mother and baby together. Teresa, about the the separation thing, let me tell you that from the perspective of the labor nurse or the mm-hmm. delivery nurse, mm-hmm. Where I get kind of stymied is when the patient, the mother is asking me, how much does the baby weigh? How much does the baby weigh? Da, 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 da. And can, can we have photos? And can we this? And can we that? And, and I really feel like I'm the one talking the mother into the idea that she needs to like skip all that junk and just be with the baby. Um, how can, how can I or you or anybody really help parents to understand that when they ask for it, even a nurse like me who wants to do the right thing, then I feel like I'm bugging them because I'm not doing – they can't tell Grandma and Grandpa and Aunt Nellie how, how much the baby weighs or put the baby's picture on Facebook. You know what? Where am I supposed to go with that? There, there is a part to breastfeeding culture that I think we're overlooking, and that is um, teaching mothers how to be mothers. And that mm. takes place at least mm. – when they're pregnant, right? right? It should be in the in the childbirth class. But I also think, because I'm quite radical, <laughs> I think <laughs> that in junior high and high school, in health classes, mothers yes. should be, you know, not mothers, but young girls, people, people yeah. who are female should be taught about breastfeeding and about the importance of it. And, you know, just as in any health class, when they talk about how to get pregnant and how not to get pregnant, they should talk about breasts. And boys should also know the importance of it. And so it shouldn't be left to the few weeks right before the mother gives birth to cram a huge amount of information into her about the importance of skin-to-skin right after the birth. This is something that should be in our culture as a normal thing. And so far it isn't. One of the things I noticed in taking care of young women who have grown up on a farm you know, they just accept all of that skin-to-skin stuff and all of that togetherness stuff as normal because they've seen it so many times with animals. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're mammals, and they've seen other mammals do it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, but, and many women that I see are going to become first-time mothers, and they may never have seen a real, actual person nurse a baby. Correct. They, they may have seen YouTube videos. Right. They may have seen uh, class videos, but they may not have seen any actual person um, that they're close to or familiar with being breastfed or breastfeeding a baby. 
And so it's a, it, it becomes, it also becomes a very emotional and a mental process when um, at that point it just should just be relax and let it happen. But these people are, many of, the, many of my clients are educated and they've sort of put off mothering for a while and they're older and so they have to read every book. Right, right. <laughs> and that's the, good. <laughs> Teresa, do you think, though, do you think that when they come to you because you're the doula, do you think they're more open to all of this kind of thing that you wanted to share with them? They, they are, yes, because okay. they're the ones who have sort of stepped off the main road of the way birth is today. Mm, the and main said, road. Hey, I might have some options of things yeah. that I'd like to do, and I'm going to explore those options. So they're more of an informed healthcare consumer. Because I assume that you talk to them probably almost the first time that you meet with them about the importance of having this better birthing experience. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and what's your perception of their response to you? Are they surprised? Are they intrigued? Are they what what are how what's their reaction? I often say about birth in particular that there is not one road to having the birth that you want. There's not just one correct road or one right road. Some women are very interested in having an epidural, for example. Yes. Other women are very interested in not having an epidural. Yes. Um, A different and road. I, exactly. And, and there is not one particular intervention that says, I won't be able to breastfeed, such as having a cesarean. Right. Um, right. Obviously, women can still breastfeed. But we do talk about what we don't, what we don't leave behind is the idea that this birth means something in their lives that's different from a medical procedure and mm. that mm. it's part of their creating their family. It's part of an experience they'll never forget. And I'm there to provide support for that aspect. The doctor or the midwife is there to support the medical side of it. Right, right. But I'm the I one really... who helps, helps them look at this is a family-changing Day. A life-changing event. I totally <laughs> like that you have made that distinction between the medical aspect and the human or creative aspect of childbearing. I'm totally like right there with you. And I think everybody else is right there listening to us. You know what, though? We're all going to go to commercial break, and we'll be right back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Teresa Bailey. We will be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? 
As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Thank you so much for joining me today on Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with my guest, Teresa Bailey, IBCLC, CD, JD, and author of Doula's Guide to Birthing Your Way. Teresa, I've got several questions for you about this whole, like, being in the moment of the labor and birth experience Mm -hmm. One is, it seems to me that an awful lot of young women these days really want to go down the road of a repeat cesarean section. Now, probably in the, I don't know, early to late, early to mid 80s, the whole big, big thing was that everybody wanted to go for a VBAC, a vaginal birth after cesarean. Mm -hmm. And we've come what I believe to be about 180 degrees on, you know, this what to do thing. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, as a doula, do you think that you can get a, are, are, you, are you more persuasive than I would be? Because I, I'm totally not persuasive at that. You know, women tell me, oh, you can plan the birth and blah, 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 blah. This seems to me like it really messes up the birth experience. What say you? I do help a lot of women have VBACs and I have a high VBAC rate. And, um, What's your rate, Teresa? Well, it's basically 100%. I did have Whoa. one woman who 
early on was having twins, and they said, no, they're not in the right position, so we couldn't have a feedback. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> but, but it's close to 100%. Okay. And basically, it's because... Now, I do know why sometimes, in certain circumstances, a mother would want to repeat cesarean, and that would not or should not be because of timing, but might be a specific... Uh, type of pelvis that is going to be sure. very difficult to let a big baby sure. through. Or, um, I could buy that. Yes. If there's a medical reason, then you, you go into that medical reason and you see how strong is that medical reason. But and not a timing reason or a fear reason or no. a planning reason. No. I, yeah. there, one time I did know a mom who kept telling me all these uh, flighty kind of reasons why she wanted to have a second cesarean and it wound up being emotionally that she felt the only way she could have any control at all was to have a second planned cesarean and the control she was reaching for had to do with emotional control because they were calling her labor a trial of labor oh gotcha and that sounds like you can be found guilty you know sure sure so I, there are lots of ways to approach the idea of VBAC um, that help the mother make her choices in a way that later she will not regret them. And if she decides that a, a VBAC is the best way or if she decides that a cesarean is the most, um, the best thing for her particular medical situation, at least she can do so looking back and, and feeling like she made a really good informed decision Yes. And having a birth that is a surgery is something you should avoid as mm-hmm. much as possible. Yes, it's a, it, it certainly breastfeeding can be done after cesarean. No question about that. But the experience is not the same. It's 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 just not. So, Teresa, what about this? Because. Uh, I just got through teaching my comprehensive course, the same course that you came to several years ago. By the way, I distinctly remember you took the course in Baltimore and you sat a little bit to my right. I (laughs) distinctly remember where you sat, like about the third (laughs) row from the back. And uh, I want to follow up on this because last week somebody said to me, well, yeah, but Marie, about breastfeeding, what about all these women that come in with their birth plan and then it all kind of unravels, they get a, a induction and then they get a failed forceps and then they end up with a section and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, the whole birth, the, the whole breastfeeding thing comes apart as well. Don't you, I mean, would you really tell somebody that having a birth plan is a good idea? Well, I said, yes. I, I, I would tell them that having a birth plan is a good idea, but I would tell them that having a birth plan, while necessary, is not sufficient. My next question would be, does that same person have a doula? You talked with us last time that you were here about the process of visualization. And, Teresa, I do like you, but i got to tell you, when you said that, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, right, ha, <laughs> ha. <laughs> But but I have since done a great deal of reading about visualization. So how does that affect the birth experience? And ultimately, in my opinion, it also affects the the breastfeeding experience. What can you tell us about this? That is very true, Marie. And and that's one of the reasons why when I help a client, I always call it a birth vision. 
instead oh. of a birth plan. Oh, good. Because okay. you can have, you can visualize or you can, you can envision your priorities, but you can't exactly plan the exact route your birth is going to take. It would be nice if you could, but, but having a baby is not the same thing as ordering a cake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and doulas would love it if we had a magic wand, but we don't. Um, so I do help moms with birth visions, and especially VBAC moms, I do try and talk them through the idea of visualizing the baby coming down and everything going well and getting past the point they had gotten before, and for new mothers as well. Um, a lot of research has gone into this in, in terms of Olympic skiers, in terms of violin players. You know, if you're on a plane and you're a violinist and you want to practice something, you can practice air violin, and it actually does make you better at your piece of music. I've um, heard this about athletes. Yes. Yeah, so so wow. if you can only go down a ski run a couple times, um, but you need to really do it well because it's the Olympics, they spend a lot of time visualizing their way down the path. Mm-hmm. And you can only give birth to each baby once. You can't just stuff the baby back in and say, ah, that didn't work, let's try it a different <laughs> let's way. Let's try this again, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm very grateful for, actually. Yes. Um, but, but you can envision how it works and how you allow your body to function, and, and you can picture yourself uh, getting through the places and what you want and how the support you need and, and how you feel, and, and you can picture all of that. And it does actually help as a practice for birth because you really only get that one shot at it. Teresa, do you encourage people to do affirmations? I do, and especially women who are worried or women who are trying to do something that they didn't do in the past, like a VBAC. Right, right. I do, and I also recently became um, certified to teach hypnobirthing. Oh, Teresa, really? Yes, (laughs) So we got to have a really long lunch here, I think. <laughs> I don't think the radio show is going to be enough. So in hypnobirthing, the whole thing about hypnosis is self-hypnosis, is, is yes. relaxation. Yes. And with birth and breastfeeding, relaxation is the key. Absolutely. So it's Absolutely. just teaching you how to relax and allow that to happen. When I was in graduate school, I did a, pro- a project on hypnobirthing. And honestly, I think everybody in the university thought I had taken leave of my senses. Right. <laughs> well, you know, that was a lot of years ago. But I really, truly believed that if you could attain, because in just a simple way, as a labor nurse, I was talking people through things by saying to them, all right, I want you to think that you're just stepping into a wave and now you're stepping out of the wave. And, da, 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 you know. and it was really amazing to me. And now I find that I do that with people with breastfeeding as well in trying to help them to just visualize that milk coming down and to give them a lot of positive affirmations. And, and, it, I, and it makes a huge difference because we know that um, anxiety is Contraindicated for breastfeeding. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that is so. So you did get certified in the hypnobirthing as well, Teresa. Yes, I did. I'm telling you, I, I guess I need to make a trip to Pittsburgh because we you need do. to have a really long lunch. So great to have you here. You're invited. So, 
<laughs> uh, thank you. Teresa, what's your discussion with doctors who probably think that you're sweet, but maybe you're a little goofy and, you know, you got, you're like this whole touchy-feely bit. Uh, how do you interact with doctors from your doula standpoint? Well, actually, Marie, I'm writing a book about that. Okay. Called, which I'm calling The um, Physics of Birth. And the thing is, part of giving birth and getting into breastfeeding and, um, is to allow the woman's body to do as much without intervention as possible. As uh-huh. you know, that's the best thing for breastfeeding. It's the Absolutely. best thing for birth is Absolutely. if she can do her job without being impeded. And um, many doctors do think that kind of concept is new agey or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But it used to be that the people who helped mothers, let's call them family practice doctors or whoever, who used to do the majority of births, they had lots and lots of years of helping the mother to move her leg this way and change position that way and help the baby come down. And most of the time now, um, doctors are not being trained to really care if the baby is OP or if the baby is posterior or if um, a shoulder is coming down first or whatever. They, they just think, well, if the baby isn't presenting perfectly, it's a cesarean. Mm-hmm. We fix it. Right. And, yep. you know... Cesarean is good for the times it's necessary, but for most births, um, we really need to reduce our cesarean rate. And um, so some of these ideas of helping the mother uh, birth on her own and what does that mean inside the body um, are things that I'm actually putting into a book that is part of my conversation with doctors, saying... As a doula, I'm there to support, but it's not really my job to get the posterior baby turned, but that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Well, it is your job to help the woman to mobilize her own resources and to uh, maximize, optimize that birthing experience in a non-medical way, and that most certainly is your role. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here with Teresa Bailey. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. 
Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed on the Health and Wellness Channel at the Voice America Network. I'm here today with doula Teresa Bailey. Teresa has multiple certifications by now, and she's been talking with us about creating the breastfeeding culture. And by the way, I really wish that everybody could have eavesdropped on all of the uh, the breaks that we had because Teresa and I were having as good of a conversation at the break as we did on the on the air. And if I, I don't think I've ever had a less than one hour conversation with Teresa anyway, but Teresa, tell me this: so many of us say, "Well, they need to do something to promote breastfeeding within our culture," and generally, they is the hospital or they, the doctors or they, the government. But for many of us, uh, we're not the government. We're not the hospital. We're not the doctor. So what what can the ordinary listener do today to promote breastfeeding? There are so many things. Um, first of all, if you believe that birth and breastfeeding are something that are important for mothers, And when a mother feels that way, you support her. That's one great way. I often talk to people who say they're not doing anything. And I said, well, when you take your baby out and you are eating at a diner, do you nurse your baby there? And they say, well, yes. And I say, well, that diner waitress, maybe she doesn't have children yet. Maybe she sees that you can do this and thinks, I could do that too. Sure. So there are so many times when um, just a little bit of kindness and affirmations is very, very helpful. And making it look normal. 
making it look normal and making it look like it's something that society accepts. Sure. I, I would totally, totally agree with that. Teresa, can you give us just a little bit of insight what we were talking about at the break about how you make that distinction when you say to the doctor, if it were not for the medical whatever, can you pick up that conversation? Yes, I was saying that birth, it's the doctor or the midwife's job to to um, make sure, certain that the mother and the baby's health is uh, safe. And it is not the doula's job to do that. But our job is to provide the support that she needs for the emotional and the physical aspects of birth so that she feels like she can do the job that her body needs to do. So instead of doing anything medical, what we're doing is supporting her emotional and journey that she's going from being a pregnant woman into being a mother. Yes. Yes. And Teresa, I have to tell you, there are times I talk to you and I wonder how anyone would ever want to birth a baby without a doula. I always feel the same way because that we are there just for that mother. Yeah. The nurse may be the most wonderful nurse in the world, but the way that they staff the hospitals, she has to go and see other women. Absolutely. She can't just be in there making sure that this mother feels um, supported all the time. And the dad is supposed to be the one who does that, but he maybe has never seen a birth at all. Absolutely. And he's supposed to say, yeah, this is right, Uh, this is normal, oh, you're doing well. And the woman's looking at him like, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) and, and certainly I think that in my heart, I am about as supportive of a labor nurse as anybody on the planet. But I have the fetal monitor to be watching and the paperwork to be filling out and the IV in the next room I need to be starting. And You have have important medical concerns to deal with. Right. And so it it seems to me like the doula is there just for that exclusively. Absolutely. For that experience not for the medical stuff. Right. I mean, I consider myself happy in my chosen career, but I I would also say it limits what I can do with this whole support thing. Teresa, take like less than one minute to address, what about these people that I send them to La Leche League and they, they tell me that I'm nuts, that they didn't, they sort of see La Leche as sort of some far out radical, you know, group. Uh, in terms of support or culture, can you address that briefly? Yes, I think La Leche League, the whole purpose of it is mother-to-mother support for breastfeeding, not for any other reason. So it's not there to promote Catholicism or baby-wearing or any other point. Organic something. (laughs) Right. Nothing, nothing, no other point of view except breastfeeding. And as you know, each mother-baby dyad has to work out their own breastfeeding success. Uh, Nobody can make that decision for them. So if a mother goes to La Leche League and sees a meeting in which she feels uncomfortable with the members, she should just find a different one that's in her area and go see them because they vary um, all over the spectrum. And my, as a La Leche League leader myself, my definition of a breastfeeding mother is a woman who has given her baby one drop of her breast milk. Okay. And 
I always see successful breastfeeding moms because you can do that and way beyond. Absolutely. So I like to include people rather than exclude them. In the one minute or so that we have remaining, help us to get the three main points that you want people to log away with tonight. Well, our current birth and postpartum culture doesn't support breastfeeding the way it should and instead often gets in the way of it. Even when we say the words, yes, breastfeeding is important and yes, we all believe in it, they do unnecessary things that separate mom and baby and make it difficult for mom and baby to start a normal breastfeeding relationship. So get the focus on the normal. Yes, yes. And then the other thing is, once we've determined that the health and the safety of the mother and baby is secure, then the next most important, most crucial aspect of the birth is the bond between mom and baby and mom and baby and dad. And so not interfering with that is something we should regularly strive for should be a normal part of our policy. So This is not a medical procedure, it's a life event. Exactly. Unless it's, health, unless it's for the health of the baby, keep mom and baby together. And um, also that the bond between mom and baby is essential for breastfeeding success because many of, what, of, many of the things that mothers hear have to do with, oh, Breast milk is the best milk and all that, but really, it, breastfeeding is so much more about the bond between mom and baby than it is even about the milk. Certainly, and, it's food, but it's absolutely more than food. I'd like to thank Teresa Bailey for coming on tonight. Uh, it's always fun to talk with Teresa. She's a mountain of knowledge, a multi-certified everythinger, and certainly a wonderful woman to talk with. I always find it extremely uh, insightful. And then I would like to thank all of you for being with us tonight. Visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com, or if you are a a mother, you're probably more comfortable at borntobebreastfed.com. Everybody check out Teresa's book, The Doula's Guide to Birthing Your Way. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. And in the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.